0: Hello dear friends, welcome to On Mic with Jordan Rich. Conversation is alive and well conversation with creative people who have a lot to say. Today's guest, no exception, his name is Rick Steves. And there are few people on this planet who don't know the name and the reputation. Rick's the American travel writer, author, activist, and TV personality who's been helping independent travelers the world over. His latest guide to European travel is out. It's terrific. And I thought we'd snatch a few minutes from this busy guy's schedule so Rick Steves can tell us about Europe now that the pandemic has ebbed. He makes you want to get up and go. So let's take the Travel Podcast Tour bus and invite Rick Steves to join us now on Mike. Talk about Europe a bit, and I'm actually thinking about getting to Europe by the end of the year. So in general, how do things look as we record this in late May?
1: You know, it's funny because for for 30 years I've been dealing with this, uh, what is the situation over there? And it's hard to know when you're over here. Uh, And uh, as a travel writer and and so on, I I have to make a point to go over there and see what it's really like. And I'm just getting over jet lag. I was over there for 60 days. And uh, I'll tell you, it's exciting. Uh, there's a beautiful energy. It's crowded. Um, I had very few concerns about COVID. I had a wonderful trip. Um, having said that, COVID is over there. People are getting COVID. Uh, and most people who are getting the lion's share that people who are getting it is asymptomatic or just a, a cold. In fact, most people don't know they've got COVID until they test before they fly back to the United States. We're, I think, the only country or one of the few countries that require a, a negative test to fly back into the country. You don't need a test to fly into Europe, that's for sure. And uh, people have to test before they go home. So 24 hours before they go to the airport, they go to a local pharmacy, get their nose swabbed, get an email in half an hour, and it says, uh, generally, it says you're fine. But if you get a positive test, then you have the bad news. Right. And you have to isolate for a week. You have to cancel your flight. It's expensive, and it's a drag. It's kind of like COVID roulette. And uh, a a week ago, I was in Amsterdam and I had to get my test. And I asked the guy, how many tests did he give yesterday? He said 85. I said, how many were positive? He said, one. Um, I'm a tour organ. I got two big parts of my business, three big parts of my business going on. I'm producing TV shows about travel. I'm updating and writing guidebooks that cover Europe. We've got 50 guidebooks that Mm. have been, it's all hands on deck this month as we. That's what I was doing over there: is updating the guidebooks and seeing what it's like after COVID. And then the big part of our business is our tour program. We've got we take 30,000 people on Rick Steves buses around Europe every normal year, and uh, this is turning out to be a, uh, we're going to have a good year this year. We've got 60 buses on the road right now, and I'm bringing that up because that's a very good um, cross sampling. We've got 1,500 travelers, Americans in Europe right now on our buses. All of them are vaccinated. We don't let people on our buses unless they're fully vaccinated and boosted. All of our guides and drivers are vaccinated and so on. And the big deal is testing to get home. And we're finding 2% of our travelers are testing positive. They wouldn't even know it if they didn't have to test, mm. but they're testing positive, And that means there's a 1 in 50 chance among the 1,500 people that we've got in Europe right now on a Rick Steves bus mm-hmm. that you're going to have the bad news that you have to cancel your flight book it again for next week, and delay low until you get a negative
0: test. Because the masks have come off the planes here, what the general masking mandates are like, if there are any mandates left?
1: I'm not a scientist. I just kind of use my common sense of it, and I don't worry about the flight getting over and back. What I worry about is where you put yourself and who you put yourself there with mm-hmm. while you're living day-to-day in the United States or in Europe. Um, my experience is in Europe could be anywhere, but, you know, um, I would say if you're not comfortable going out and being public in a normal way in the United States, you shouldn't do that overseas. If you're comfortable getting out and about in the United States, going to concerts, going out to restaurants, going to parties, uh, I think Europe is safer than the United States. Uh, but I, I would say basically mm-hmm. call it the same. So it's your, your own assessment. Um, but as far as the mask goes, I have, to me, a mask is almost a reflex. I have it in my breast pocket. And if I'm getting on public transit, if I'm getting into a taxi, if I'm going into a museum, I'll put the mask on. Um, You don't have to, uh, but I just do it because it's a a thoughtful thing to do for other people's safety, and it's a smart way for me to lessen the the chance that I would be uh, affected. Um, So we have a policy on our buses where everybody wears the mask, even if it's not required in that country while they're on the bus. I stay away from places that are... um, Packed out with people who are drinking and no ventilation, and in a crowd that's right. likely not to be fully vaccinated. But you know, when you're when you're doing the normal things that I do while I'm traveling, you're surrounded by people who are very likely to be vaccinated, and you have got plenty of um, elbow space, and you choose a well ventilated spot. And um, my friends and I have had no
0: problem. What What are the hubs, the airports, like over there? Because uh, you know they're getting more crowded here every day, which is a good thing for the travel industry, but in general, when you fly into Europe, uh, whether it be London, Paris, wherever you fly, uh, are they running these airports well these days, post-pandemic?
1: Well, the problem they've got is the same problem we have of staffing. Um, You know, it's a big issue in Europe is getting the people to staff stuff. So airports are understaffed, museums are understaffed, restaurants are understaffed. Consequently, before you go to a restaurant, you should call and see if they're actually open. Uh, Restaurants want to make up for lost time, but... Many of them can only be open four days a week and not lunches because they don't have the staff. Uh, museums and many of the wings of museums that are less visited are not open because they don't have the staff to put the guards there. Mm. And uh, airports have some problems because of staffing, which causes congestion and delays. Um, I, would, I would say, in general, my experience in public transportation is Europe is super well organized, uh, but they do have strikes. Um, I've got a friend who's in Italy right now, and he was just in Pisa, and they had a strike in Pisa, And it was just a a human mosh pit at the uh, train station trying to get onto the train. And then the trains, because when you have a strike in Italy, it's called a nuisance strike. It just lasts for 24 hours. And everybody just gets on whatever's going in that direction. And it was just, you know, uh, shoulder to shoulder on the train. So you find yourself in certain bottlenecks like that, which are um, bad news if you're trying to not get exposed to anything. But that's the exception. I never had that in 60 days of travel that I just got back from, and I was traveling all over Europe. Um, The public transit is is so slick, and I find Europeans are a little more neighborly than Americans. They're a little more thoughtful about not what's safe for me, but what do I owe my neighbors so I don't get them in a bad
0: situation. You mentioned Italy, and that was dead center of the COVID attack when it all started. That They they took the brunt of it very early on. Has Italy rebounded well as other countries have?
1: Italy, re- I mean, that's the one thing I've got. As I mentioned, I've got 50 guidebooks, and uh, I've, they've just been gathering dust and, cha- and 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 hibernating for two years. Uh, in 2019, our guidebooks were the most lovingly updated, hmm. the best up, you know, accurate guidebooks in print. And then I needed to get back, so it, this spring it's all hands on deck. All my hmm. r- researchers and co-authors are out there, and I was out there uh, focusing just on the guidebooks. My concern was we'd be raking away the corpses of dead businesses as we updated the guidebook yeah. the victims of COVID. And, um, you know, what distinguishes a Rick Steves guidebook, just like a Rick Steves tour, the Rick Steves approach to European travel, is it's people to people, it's small businesses, all the little moms and pops and the characteristic entrepreneurial ventures, you know. Those are the ones that I thought would be the most fragile. But as it turns out, it, the, the I try to find places that are not just catering to the tourists, but are popular with locals as well as tourists. The places that had the toughest time surviving COVID were the places that were solely touristic because there was no international tourism. The places that had a local following, they did fine because they had the local following. Local people that wanted to travel couldn't travel, but they wanted to, to do something and have some fun, so they patronized small businesses in their community. And governments, just like in our case, uh, helped subsidize businesses. So all that uh, resulted, is my conclusion, after having researched the hotels and restaurants in all these cities from London to Athens, uh, means that they, by and large, survived COVID. Now they're just ready to make up for lost time and uh, spread their wings and welcome international travelers. And, you know, when you go to Europe, there's this intangible energy that I'm looking for. When yeah. I go to Spain, I want the Paseo. Everybody's out <laughs> strolling, cruising without cars. When I go to Italy, I want the passeggiata, licking your ice cream cone as you make the scene in the cobbled streets. Oh, when I go to Munich, yes. I want to go to the beer halls. When I go to Ireland, I want to go to the pubs and clink glasses. When I want to go to Paris, I want to sit on an outdoor cafe and watch the world go by as I sip my my wine and slurp my escargot. All of that is back with gusto, and for me, that's that's the good news. You know, it really you wouldn't know it
0: when you go to Europe yeah. today that there was a pandemic that way. You you are such a great. Uh, Roost root. I'm sorry, you are such a great booster for this idea of going back to Europe. You've always been high in Europe and you talk about it and you know it inside out, but it's so uh, happy to hear this, this kind of news. What about the prices? Because we all know inflation is rearing its head here. How, yeah. how have prices uh, settled in in European yeah. travel?
1: Well, I think there's inflation. You know, the problem is with COVID, you can't be efficient. The efficiency is gone. You know, you have to have a fill rate. You got to have a good fill rate in order to offer a good price. And if you're not filling it up, uh, you just can't make money and pay your staff and offer a good price. It's just so the equation's all screwed up. So um, prices are up. Um, I didn't. It didn't seem to be a huge issue for me. Um, but there's, prices are certainly not down. Um, but prices are creeping up. Uh, but uh, it just means you got to be a smarter traveler. There's plenty of alternatives, um, and that's what I've learned. You know, uh, you can go to a smaller restaurant. You can—I I go to—you um, know. There's different levels of everything. If you—if you're looking for a, a Michelin star restaurant, there's a whole category of Michelin restaurants called Bib Gourmand, which are not the pretentious star restaurants, but they're so good. But they're more casual, and they're half the price. Uh, you know, there's plenty of. One thing I've noticed in every country in Europe is the old industrial age markets are only viable now if they become um, food courts. And the established restaurants all over town love to have a uh, small uh, branch in the industrial market, and you still got your merchants selling their fruits and vegetables and their fish and everything, but you've also got this wonderful collection of market stalls where you just go and and you um, buy from whatever counter you like, you buy your your food and you sit down in a food circus kind of way with your travel partners and it's just as local as can be but it's for a fraction of the cost of a a fine restaurant and you get great food.
0: So you're very actively updating everything and uh, we've all had to pivot there's that P word again but uh, overall if, if I were to visit Europe let's say next week or next month and I've been to Europe several times would I really feel the difference and if so in what way?
1: Well, here's the deal, Jordan, because I'm thinking about that with my guidebooks. There's no guidebook in print this year that is post-COVID. Anybody that tried to update their guidebook Mm. in the middle of COVID is just making it worse. So what you want is a guidebook that was good in 2019. And then you want to realize, I mean, of course, in, in 2023, you want a guidebook that was researched and updated in 2022. That's what we're doing right now. We're updating all 50 of our guides. I've got a guidebook for every country in Europe and every great city. We're updating those so they are truly post-COVID. But what you want right now for travel this year is a guidebook that was good when COVID hit. And then you got to remember that you just need to call in advance to make sure that the hours are right. You know, the the admission prices will will be up a little bit. But the big issue that matters to you is, is it still closed on Tuesday or is it still open on Sunday? And um, it's very easy to go online. It's very easy to call and just find out. So. A good traveler is going to be checking in advance before they go all the way across town to see Anne Franks. Also, what I have to do every time I do a chapter, and I did new chapters in Paris, Venice, Florence, Milan, Munich, Vienna, Athens, Brussels, Bruges, and Amsterdam in the last month, I like to uh, have a little sidebar that says, if you're going to Amsterdam, this is what you need to do in advance. You know, If you want to see Anne Frank, if you want to see Van Gogh, if you want to see the Rembrandts at the Rijksmuseum, you need reservations for those three sites but then i'll say you don't need reservations no matter what you've heard for anything else all the rest of the stuff you can just go to the door and go in and enjoy the museum and then something new i'm saying is if you want to go to a particular nice restaurant for a particular splurge evening you should make a reservation in advance for that restaurant also so i try to make it clear that way because every city will have a couple of museums where you've got to have a reservation but then it's important not to go overboard and mm. uh, get reservations and everything else you go to paris you need a reservation for the eiffel tower you need a reservation for um, the louvre and the orsay that would be your, your three most important reservations after that you're pretty much free to um, just to pop mm-hmm. into museums as you like
0: let me ask you one more question because i know your time is very tight the war the ukrainian issue the russians all that eastern right. europe stuff How is that impacting—well, it's impacting that area specifically, but how is it impacting any other parts of Europe, Rick?
1: Well, as I said, I just spent six weeks over there all over Europe, and it was Western Europe. It wasn't Eastern Europe. If I was in Romania or Poland or Lithuania, that would be a different story. Mm -hmm. But where most of us travelers are going is in the West. And what I try to explain to my American travelers is we we oftentimes have a tough time with geography. It's as far from Munich to Kiev as it is from Miami to Guatemala City. So if there was a war in Guatemala and you were wondering, should I go to Florida? Well, it's about the same as if there's a war in Ukraine and you're wondering, should you go to Germany? It's Mm -hmm. exactly the same amount of miles. It's about a thousand miles. Having said that, all over Europe, I've never seen such solidarity. In every city hall, you're going to see the Ukrainian flag along with the local flag. And churches, I stepped into churches that were turned into impromptu packing stations where they're gathering everybody's donations and shipping them off to the, people, the, the the unfortunate refugees from Ukraine. So there's a solidarity in Europe. You'll see the yellow colors of uh, Ukraine all over Europe. Um, it's, um, it's kind of inspiring how Europe is standing mm. by uh, their Ukrainian brothers and sisters. From a travel point of view, it had no impact
0: at all. Well, you live and love this stuff and I I've talked to you in the past. I don't remember talking to you and having you sound so pumped up about everything.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well it's for me, well, for travelers, I've noticed that there are people who are like travelers, you know, it's travels in our blood and when you can't travel you're like a bird that's in a cage and we've been let out of that cage now. Oh, and with my responsibility of helping Americans travel smartly in Europe, it's just an opportunity to get over there and it's like breathe straight oxygen to update all this stuff and You know, our mission here, I've got 100 workmates at Rick Steves here up here in Seattle, and our mission is to equip and inspire Americans to venture beyond Orlando, and we want to give people the information so they can do that, and Europe is the waiting pool for world exploration, and it's so exciting to be back in the saddle. It's so exciting for me to have my guides working again. I have 100 guides who are mostly Europeans, and they've just been unable to work for two years, and now
0: they're back on the bus passionately sharing all that they love about their culture well thank you for bringing me and my listeners a bit of good news we've needed it for a long time
1: (laughs) great jordan thanks for having me and happy travels
0: thank you to rick steves that's his name and his website ricksteves.com all kinds of updates and information and i'll echo what rick had to say happy and safe travels to all Thanks, as always, to Fast Twitch Media and Dan Tebow for his help in publishing this and many other podcasts that emanate from the studios of Chart Productions here in Boston. Find out about me and everything connected to yours truly at my website, jordanrich.com. And thank you for recognizing this podcast, adding it to your subscription list, and those ratings and reviews are much appreciated. We're growing this community every single week and having a ball doing it. Till next time, this is JR saying, be well so you can do good. Take care.